This is the GSD Podcast, and this is your host, Jeff Kushmerick. Good to go, Chris. Well, so first of all, I'm super excited because I have an actual CEO on the podcast. <laughs> Not saying that you know that that you know, there's a big difference between me being a CEO and you being a CEO because you're a CEO of a large company, Sendoso. Um, Chris Rudigrup, thank you so much for um, for a reaching out and and then just uh, we had a fantastic conversation that I was like. Oh my God! Thank, I wish I was recording it, but then like, hey, let's 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 definitely <laughs> let's record the next one and go through it. So uh, so welcome. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show, Jeff. Appreciate it. Um, so for the for the few people out there who don't know what Sendosa does, uh, let's give them the uh, the the thirty second elevator pitch. Yeah, so we are a direct mail and gifting platform. So we help other companies build better relationships with their prospects and customers by way of sending them stuff. It could be. Uh, swag. It could be a welcome kit for a new customer. It could be a milestone, like if a customer graduates from onboarding or a life moment, too. It could be if a customer has a baby and they are a New York Yankees fan, maybe you send them a Yankees onesie. Yeah. Uh, so there's lots of different ways. For I you can't to- believe you use Yankees for the for, for me. <laughs> yeah, I know you're a Boston guy, so I figured I'd make it hurt. <laughs> you don't have access to those M&Ms that you get people's faces printed on, do you? We could do quite about anything. In fact, Oreos are one that we have quite a bigger success with where we can print on Oreos because there's a little bit more surface area. Um, so that's uh, that's pretty cool. It's on the list. This is a very short list I have here. That is yeah. amazing. That is uh, – I just signed up a new customer, so I, they, Oreos on the way, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So I was fascinated because um, – you do a lot of stuff. I believe you're what, Series D. I don't mean to like, uh, right. So, um, but still, the stuff that you're doing, I usually, I don't even see from like people, the, the founder was sort of level of the, maybe seed Series A and everything. So I was just really fascinated by how customer centric uh, that, that you, <laughs> as a CEO, this is a funny conversation we had before that, uh, how I, don't like that term that much for CS leaders, but I love it for CEOs uh, as yeah, well. Uh, yes. <laughs> or customer focused, I should say. Um, but uh, in, in many different ways, too. Um, so where do you did that come from, from like the gifting feel of it? Or have you always been this way or, or just curious where that kind of that sort of motion came from? Yeah. So, I mean, I spent a decade or more prior to starting the company in sales. And I think as a seller, you have to be very, you know, customer facing or prospect facing. You're always on calls. You're always doing demos. You're always meeting with people in, in real life. And so my hunger for meeting people uh, in from a sales perspective really transitioned into my hunger to try to really wow our customers and meet our customers more and learn from our customers. And, you know, I think at the very beginning when you have a handful of beta customers or design partners all the way to hundreds of customers and, you know, tens of thousands of users, uh, it's still equally important to be uh, customer focused. 
Yeah, it's just <laughs> we're gonna keep saying. It. <laughs> I almost said century. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing wrong with it. <laughs> it's just this weird little thing for. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, it'll all get cut out in the wash, right? But like, yeah. you know, we'll have AI <laughs> just overdub everything and stuff like that. So, but you are the first thing we we're talking about was that you're, in, and I'm sure your CS team loves this, by the way, uh, that you are doing audits of your customers. <laughs> and so just yeah. uh, just talk to me, like, what does that look like, and what do you do with that information when you go in and do that? Yeah. So, you know, for, for me, you know, I feel like I am, I try to be the most advanced power user of Sendoso. I also have a, a unique sales background and have been obsessed with kind of CRM and how to, you know, uh, look at data there. And, yep. and we also use uh, Catalyst. And so, yep. you know, my goal with all that being that I have like a really unique perspective on what does a successful customer look like? What successful engagement look like? What are nuances that maybe a CSM or an account manager might overlook? Um, and pattern recognition across years and years of doing this. And so yeah. what I find myself doing from time to time is um, I will proactively audit accounts. And I'll look for how they're using Sendoso, what's the usage data, but also other areas like how are we engaging with the right champions? How are we engaging with the executives at our customer? What is our, uh, you know, uh, what's an account, uh, what's a healthy account plan look like? And, and are we doing that? And a lot of it is, uh, in, in spirit of helping the, the CX team find areas that I could help. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, for a lot of those, I have executive connections and I don't want to just go into those accounts blind. So yeah. rather uh, than, Going into those accounts and, and looking dumb, I do an audit, which both helps me understand where there might be areas of opportunity, but also helps me really learn about that customer, their usage, their business, yeah. their users, et cetera. And so typically it's a couple pages of a couple areas. And then, um, you know, oftentimes I can get in the weed and find little leaky buckets that we could solve for. Yeah, um, no, that, that that's amazing. Um Hopefully the team learns from those and then they can uh, then apply to uh, yeah yeah for but, sure they have and I think you know as we've just scaled fast and and yeah. added hundreds and hundreds of employees there's you know tr- tribal knowledge or things that maybe someone didn't know about or forgot about or didn't get taught and so I can come in there and chime in and say hey here's something that you know we we've done before that might be helpful for you oh, that's awesome that, that that that's great what are some other sort of these customer assistance strategies that that you like to sort of roll out. Yeah, so I mean, I have a CEO roadshow that I do that I think is super helpful. Yeah. Uh, so I will meet with uh, probably about 200 customers a year. I'll usually do about a hundred of those in a short sprint of a m- probably two month period, um, of which that is I a will, lot. <laughs> oh yeah, it, my uh, my calendar is brightening where I might have 12 meetings back to back, 30 minutes of pretty much the same presentation and talk track where I'm sharing our roadmap. I'm sharing some of our vision. I'm asking questions, the same questions. I'm, uh, and so some of their responses and feedback are different, but I mean, it's kind of synonymous to some of my sales days where, you know, my demo pitch was very, boom, 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 roll them up. Yeah. yeah, The discovery (laughs) and learning um, is all different. And so it would be, uh, you know, back to back to back 30 minute calls followed by typically 30 minutes of follow-up effort, thanking the customer, sending them a gift. And then also creating some notes that I can share back with the CSM and account team that they can follow up on. So I find that incredibly useful. I'll do some of those in person, some of those virtually. And then throughout the year, I'll scatter in more of those ad hocly based on product launches, based yep. on field events, based on conferences that I'll go to. And then I'll build meetings around it with customers. Yep. Um, so I find that to be super helpful. 
That's great. And I don't think we went over this before. Do you have a, like sort of a standard customer advisory board or an executive board with the customers or any different levels of those? I'd say there's uh, three things that the, uh, we, we have. So one is a, um, a customer community. We call it a super sender group. There's uh, about a thousand users in this group. Okay. Um, it's, a, it's a Slack group. There's yep. sub, sub channels. There's kind of peer to peer conversations. I chime in with thought leadership in that group. There's Q and A. There's AMAs. There's you know a, a lot of uh, talk tracks going on in that community. We then have uh, uh, cabs. Uh, typically, we'll have some in person cabs throughout the year where these customer advisory board meetings will be more in-depth. You know, typically we'll have product presentations and, and other areas for us to really go into the weeds. And then um, I have a personal industry advisory group that I have uh, probably about 100 of our customers in, um, uh, and then there's about 100 non-customers. Hmm. And this is an, uh, what I call micro-advisory group I set up a while back okay. um, to uh, – just have this, you know, sounding board where I might ask them thought leadership questions. I might ask them for referrals for recruiting. I might ask them for uh, their interest in talking on a panel. And my goal there is that the, it, out, it, it outlasts the customer relationship and is a more personal relationship that they'll carry on if they're at five years at different companies. I, I, they, they could still be my advisor, which yeah. might differentiate from uh, this, the, our customer community or our customer advisory board where once they become, once they change companies, if they're not a customer yet, they kind of fall out of that group yeah. at times. Um, and so it's a helpful way to have a lot longer lasting relationships with uh, people in the industry. No, that, that, that's great. Um, you, you had mentioned the recruiting, which re- reminded me of this thing. And I, and I might have it wrong, but we were talking about advocacy. Yeah. And um, it is a funny you note, know, like when I go in to help companies, that's like the last thing we do. <laughs> like, hopefully yeah. we're in long enough to like, hey, let's set up your advocacy. My, my typical speech is like, we want customers to not, you don't want to stop our renewals. We want to get to the part where they're advocates and yeah. they're doing press releases and, you know, taking calls with prospects and things like that. But yeah. did you say something like that your eighth employee was you got from from advocacy or what was that yeah yeah Yeah, so uh our we really early on uh wanted to invest in our kind of customer advocacy and really build a community you know we were in kind of inventing a new category while like you know gifting's not necessarily like uh brand new using a platform like sendoso and creating uh an evergreen strategy to integrate this into your you know, customer programs or your marketing programs was nuanced and mm-hmm. using software to do so was. Uh, so uh, the goal with this early on was we knew we wanted to really build a community of advocates that could spread the word, that could be, uh, you know, that could educate us on their needs and how we could continue to build our roadmap. Um, and, you know, so building that community from the beginning was helpful. We needed someone to do that. We also uh, very early wanted to build out a repertoire of uh, customer case studies, uh, customer references. Mm. Um, and so all those made sense to bring in kind of a customer advocacy and, and customer marketing leader in, in the very early days. Right. And you still have somebody just focused on the advocacy, like that's their role, that's what they work on? Yeah. She's been on this for like six years now or five years. <laughs> that's yeah. And we have others now that have joined that team from community perspective, from lifecycle marketing. Uh, but, uh, it's amazing to see how she's grown and how she's built like best friends and, uh, more than just a vendor relationship, but people that, 
you know, one of the one of them I went to their wedding actually, and she did. Uh, so there's wow. uh, you know, ways to you know build more friendships than just vendorships. Wow, and because most people do come use the term of the the vendor relationships, and that's exactly I think when people hear advocacy, that's what it is. It's like to make sure we don't ask that same person six times in a quarter for a call. Yeah. Right? Like that's a lot different if you're going to to weddings and whatnot. So yeah, totally. That's amazing. So the big topic I sort of wanted to get into um, for today um, was this concept of doing account-based marketing into your customers. And I actually mm-hmm. just, oh, the data point, I was just listening to a podcast with uh, Jay Nathan. I don't know if you know him from GDR. And the, he brought up this data point. Uh, oh, it was from, uh, brought up a data point from Winning by Design. And I think when you get to the, there's some number like 50 to 70 million revenue mark that the most, the high majority of your revenue starts coming in from your existing customers, this concept. So, and then I remember we were talking about that as well. So the very dim bulb started going off in my head, like we should get into that a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I'd love to hear in general, like your philosophy on account-based marketing to your customers. Like when did you start this? Um, you know, we'll get into that first. I have many questions, but I want to just start firing them off. Let's, let's start chatting about it. Yeah. So, you know, I think, uh, part of, uh, account-based marketing, uh, and, and why we got so, uh, you know, obsessed with it is that, uh, you know, about eight years ago or so, and I think the term got first coined, um, uh, you know, we saw that there was a need to integrate in gifting and direct mail as part of an ABM strategy. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, we said, well, we need to be experts in ABM. And so we need to be so good at it, doing it ourselves and being able to teach our customers who are, you know, maybe newbies in doing ABM. Yep. We need to be able to coach them and not just how to use gifting and Sendoso, but how to use how to do ABM. So because of that, we dove in head first and are, are really experts across the board in that. And I think some companies uh, focus ABM on top of funnel and, yep. and kind of stop at the customer. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the most common mistake I see is, okay, we've got named accounts and we're going to target them and we're going to target this buying committee and then we're going to go and engage them. And then we're sales and marketing are going to work together on making sure we're running ads against the same accounts that the sales reps are going after. And then we close the account and yay, we high five and then we move on to the next yep. account that we want to do yep. that too. Take, take their name out of the marketing. Uh, yeah, of the exactly. yeah. And, <laughs> you know, the way that I look at it is, well, once they become a customer, now you have a, a perfect second set of named accounts. The named accounts are your customers. <laughs> it's very yeah. similar. Um, and so what else are you doing to run those same campaign, to run similar or uh, di- uh, different programs to your customers in the same amount? And I, I think that that's an, an area of opportunity for not only landing and expanding, but for advocacy and retention in that you're running marketing programs to drive usage. You're, you're, you, you run into some of the same, you know, uh, issues when you're trying to sell into a new account where you're making sure you have, you know, four to eight people on the buying committee to, to sign off on that contract. Well, hmm. if they're a customer and you only have one person as your single champion, you're going to be single threaded. So you need to do some of those same multi threading yes. buying group uh, type of programs. And so, you know, there's a lot of similarities. It's just uh, nuanced by, uh, I think some of some silos where customer success, you know, might not be, uh, might be siloed a little bit from the, the marketing team. And so we really tried to bring that together from the beginning so we could educate how account-based marketing can continue indefinitely and lifecycle marketing 
can kind of take over where maybe demand gen left off. So we do mm-hmm. have different people doing it. That's what my next question was. Yeah, what's what's the profile, or, or is that is it a different group within CS? Is it part of CS marketing or regular marketing? Actually, but part of our demand gen group. Okay. Uh, but uh, within demand gen, there's uh, uh, kind of inbound and ABM focused demand gen, and yep. then there's lifecycle focused and ABM focused on customers as well. Um, and so they're goal slightly differently, but some of the metrics look similar in terms of like the activity and engagement metrics and they're using some of the same tools uh but uh, at the end of the day you know the, the messaging it, it, it can be it can be shared but some of it can be different interesting and would you pull and I, again this is all new to me which is one of the reasons mm-hmm. why i do this podcast i learned so much yeah are you also pulling in like usage statistics or using like your catalyst to then you know for your demand gen team to be able to see Certain users, if they're engaged, and then you're targeting them, or I'm just, uh, yeah. or I'm just curious on that, like yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So we use a mixture. So a lot of the data sits in our data warehouses, and that gets pushed to some of the different tools we use. Uh, we use a mix of Catalyst as well as Iterable. Um, mm-hmm. Iterable is more used by our lifecycle marketer to do more of the uh, in-app uh, notifications and nurture, as well as the email nurturing, uh, and, and that is fully connected to our, our data warehouse that has all of the product usage data. And so more of the lifecycle programs and some of the ones we've run recently as it relates to certain things within the product that we know that if you're using it, for example, if you've set up like a Salesforce dashboard to track the success of Sendoso, your likelihood to renew and expand is higher. So we'll the we'll run programs to educate um, that team, uh, to educate our customers on how to do it. Mm. Um, you know, when we launch new products, there's uh, education around those products and how they could use those new products or how they can expand into those new products. Um, and so there's a lot of uh, a lot of campaigns we do, and, and most all of it touches on uh, usage and product data. How oh, interesting! And is, is it is it a certain profiles, um, or you're just targeting like ex- I even hate saying targeting, but are you just sort of uh, using ABM with exec types, or is it is it people throughout the organization that could be uh, core users, or? Yeah, it's a, we actually segment and run different programs and different campaigns against them. So there could there could be an existing user who's what we call a manager admin user. Um, and then we segment it even further for what their use cases. Are they in CX? Are they in sales? Are they in marketing? Are they in HR? So it's pretty segmented down. That could be an existing account, but we, but that we don't have any communication with maybe their CMO yet. And so we're going to run some, uh, kind of ABM programs towards our customers that, uh, we want to maybe drive some education into their executive leadership team. Um, and so it's, it's pretty complex, um, yeah. and segmented by, Use case, use case by uh, persona um, and uh, by uh, customer account and or user or non-user too. Yeah. Well, and for people that are familiar with it, like what would that look like to a user? Are they inside your app or is it following them like when they're on LinkedIn or in Amazon targeted ads or what? What is that sort uh, of? So we will do a mixture of of all of that. We'll do uh, in-app notifications. We'll do emails. We'll do ads, uh, retargeting our users. Um, and, and some of those uh, retargeting our customers are more for expansion, too, um, yeah. so that we're driving more usage uh, and, and driving more users to, to start using Zendoso. 
interesting. I can ima- I can imagine that it will also help when you're working within like a conglomerate, you know, or a company of both exactly. companies, right? My my classic, you know, the one that I have a lot of experience is when we sold into Yum Brands and I was working with Taco Bell and then we're selling into Kentucky Fried Chicken and those exactly. sort of examples as well too. Yeah, that's great. Did anybody ever say just turn it off? I can't, I can't, or or, or do they know it's you, from you? Or we've seen a handful of customers, and this is a handful out of thousands, yeah. where they want to restrict communication to certain users um, and say, "Hey, please communicate everything through me." Um, and we really, uh, we really shun that kind of activity because it's like. Well, most of what we're trying to do is educate, um, and it's not a bit, it's not, and, and, and in a lot of cases, it's not even salesy at all. It's like, hey, yeah. here's new, uh, but you know, we we have to we have to um, abide by what our customers want at the end of the day. So, yeah. a couple yeah. of our customers, we have very strict communication uh, strategies, um, but we have a you know a hierarchy in terms of how we communicate. There's a kind of a Kind of an operational comms, campaign comms, nurture comms, uh, survey comms, and marketplace comms that we've separated out and have allowed us to maybe turn off one of those and turn on another for mm. our customer, yeah. um, which makes it so that we can, we can at least uh, abide by what they want. Yeah, I, I understand. Well, not that I've definitely seen that behavior. Interesting when um, when I worked. For software that sold into HR, um, it, the HR team was always like, "No, we send out the communication. We don't want that." And <laughs> that was also where I learned that, uh, like, they didn't like agile uh, releases. It's like, no, we, we only <laughs> want to tell people what's changed once a year. Like, this is our yeah. yearly update and everything. Like, well, we change our stuff like every two weeks. So <laughs> we've had that happen a couple of times too, which baffled me because I thought the customer would be so happy that we're right. innovating and adding new stuff. And yeah. one customer was like. Hey, please, like, give us months warning before you add something new. So that's exactly what we got. Like, like months warning. We're at, we're rolling things out faster than that. This is gonna be this is gonna be hard to to I know. do. Yeah. But um, you know, I think at the end of the day, there's some change management, and certain companies, yeah. uh, you know, uh, take on change management enablement differently. Yeah. Um, or they might have had a bad taste in the mouth from something that exploded on them in the past. So I think it's more of an anomaly than a norm. Yeah. Um, and most customers are open to communication and, and want more of it. Um, and right, right. are happy to sign up for more communication, happy to, get, you know, get news from us, happy to join our community, happy to uh, join our, you know, customer education programs and our university programs. So, yeah. So with all of this in place, and if you don't, if you don't mind, and, and I can always yeah. stop the recording, you know, what does the sort of organ reporting structure look like for the post sales team with all these sort of different initiatives in place? Yeah. So we have um, a chief customer officer uh, that then um, actually reports into a chief business officer uh, that then reports into me. Okay. Chief business officer looks after uh, all of sales, all of marketing, and all of CX yep. with the goal that they are really all-inclusive to the customer from day one to day a million. Yep. Um, and so we wanted to make sure that there was no silos of kind of post-customer or marketing and sales being siloed. So that was yep. critical there. And then account management uh, rolls into our chief customer officer, customer education uh, rolls into our chief customer officer, customer success. Yep. 
uh, onboarding uh, roles in there and um, our uh, nuances. So customer marketing reports in, in through marketing um, and customer advocacy and lifecycle marketing report into our marketing leader. Um, and then um, our solutions engineers who actually do pre-sales and post-sales, mm-hmm. like integrations and technical uh, conversations report through sales. Oh, okay. That's great. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to say for the, the CCO, it does not matter for me as far as I'm concerned. I've seen success in, in both ways, but uh, yeah. you know, it, it, the only time I suggest putting it under the <laughs> post sales is when you need to change those behaviors, right? Like, yes. uh, like <laughs> you are now comped on retention instead of logo <laughs> sales, <laughs> but uh, only when that's an issue, anything. So exactly. So what are some new, because you've been doing a lot of this like from the jump. So what are some of the newer initiatives that you're, you're thinking of going or just iterating on some of these things or, you know, what, what didn't work and now we're going to try doing X, Y, or Z? Yeah. I mean, a couple of things that come to mind. One is we're going to, uh, we had our Sendosa University with, which is, has so much interesting data for our customers. We had that gated behind a login. Yep. So we're in the process of uh, ungating that and making that content freely available to anyone. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. I've seen it both sides where people are like protective of all of their, you know, customer uh, related trainings and yeah. customer content. But for us, we are, we still want to educate the market more. And if you're a prospect and you want to learn some of the ways to use our platform better, it might be a helpful tactic to drive pipeline. I, um, I'm all for keeping it open and everything. Also great for SEO, but like, before, yeah, like exactly. it's so just, uh, I've seen the benefits. I had to launch a very, one of the first customer sort of portal discussion and documentation things back, I don't know, or let's just say mid 2000s. And, um, and the dev team did not want that doc getting out there at all. Mm-hmm. And also people were like, oh, they're, you know, very high executives were wondering, like, people might go into a forum and see some complaining going on. We're like, right, well, that, then product can go in there and dev can go in there and we can see what's going on. And, uh, you know, don't need to, we've had podcasts on community, so I don't need to get into the benefits of community and everything. But, like, there are <laughs> lots of people who are, you know, very much gatekeepers of, of some of that things. And um, so it's great to hear you moving towards that model because, uh, yeah, I think it'll be super successful. So, yeah. Yeah, other things we're doing, um, certification program. Oh, nice. Uh, we're expanding that out. We had uh, a lightweight version of that, but we're doubling down, and then we're doing it across a lot of the different user te- uh, use cases. So before it was a very high-level uh, program where you could become a super sender, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically what we call our community. But now we, we want you to be, like, uh, certified. We want to have, you know, a badge and a certificate and run it. Uh, so, oh, yeah. So certification so, is it mandatory or is it is it definitely something they can print off and put on their desk, but they, they're not gated from using the product until they yeah, get Yeah, not gated. So it's something that's uh, optional and something that we see as uh, hopefully a, an opportunity for our users that can learn more and, and can benefit from that. So that's important. Um, we've uh, – we're – a nuance for us is that we were for the first like six years we were very sales led and customer success led. That mm-hmm. uh, you know every new customer was signed a contract, talked to sales, and then was onboarded by onboarding customer success. Mm-hmm. Last six months we've rolled out a PLG self service flow, and so for us that's a nuance in terms of uh, 
being comfortable with a user coming into our platform, never talking to us and self servicing. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we're about six months into that and there's some nuances in how we, uh, how do we do uh, uh, customer success to self-service? Um, so that's uh, a nuanced. And then, yeah. you know, I think about a year ago, we uh, turned on like a, a digital touch or, mm-hmm. a, you know, a customer success at scale strategy yeah. uh, for a subset of our kind of uh, at kind of lower SMB uh, type of customers that didn't need as much handholding. And so that's still something that we're evolving in terms of how do we, automate more of the education, the engagement. And this is really where uh, account-based marketing, lifecycle marketing become critical because mm. there's less uh, human-to-human um, engagement happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, those two things will blend nicely, the PLG and the uh, the digital touch. Right? Yeah. It takes some cycles, absolutely, to get through, but you're you're already on the ball in terms of having a marketing machine that can – you know, get those signals that people need the message and, and, and those fun things. So, exactly. Wow. exactly. Wow. wow, that was great. Um, any, you know, before we move into non CS and fun stuff, any, anything else, uh, that you're, you're working on for on this angle of the, uh, the customer side? Um, you know, I, I, we, we, we revised our health score recently. So that's something that I think is something that we were proud to spend, um, you know, a quarter or so on really rethinking how do we think about health scores. So I think that was interesting. Is that um, a combo or uh, so assuming you're using a CSAT MPS type of thing and then you're doing some other metrics as well, too. But um, a combo of user engagement on those surveys and things like that. Yeah, it's a combination of user engagement, of uh Product usage, there's some uh, sentiment based on the CSM. Yep. Um, and then, you know, I think we've evolved what are the product indicators of success mm-hmm. versus, uh, because I think there's t- so many different products, uh, product data points. Yeah. And are you tracking the right ones or are the right ones weighing out the other ones? So, you know, I think it's worth going back semi-frequently to see, hey, or especially in the last year and a half where things have changed quite a bit in terms of the uh, macroeconomic climate. Yeah. So we wanted to go back and see things uh, that maybe were nuanced that weren't included before. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I think that also gave us an opportunity to look at uh, kind of the data hygiene, making sure we are tracking everything correctly, doing an audit of what we are tracking and, um, you know, also, you know, making sure that we're structuring our data the correct way so that, yeah. you know, engineering and product are contributing uh, to helping uh, evolve our health score. And it's not uh, just blocked by what CS wants. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. That's awesome. Well, so, Chris, that was amazing. Th- thanks for walking us through. As of I said, course. the first time I was just so blown away that you're, you know, all the details of all of these sort of customer interactions because not every CEO is, is so hands-on in those matters. They, they'll tell you about every sales deal maybe, but, uh, <laughs> but go into that. So what's, you know, it's summertime. It's like, you know, July when we're recording this. And, uh, what, any big summer plans? Uh, any travel? I know you probably, when you say travel, you might, I don't mean off to customers or anything, but, you know, any any non-work fun stuff yeah. that you're thinking about? For sure. So um, I was uh, I was just in Europe. So I was in nice. uh, 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 France and I was in Germany and I was in Ireland nice. um, and I was in uh, uh, the UK. Um, yeah. and then next month in August, 
um, going to Italy to uh, for fun for uh, kind of the uh, kind of south area kind oh, of nice. coast. Yeah. Um, and then going to uh, some of the Spanish islands like Mallorca. Um, oh yeah. That's, uh, so that's, that's awesome. fun. Um, and then I we'll we'll usually do um, a Yosemite backpacking trip once a year. Uh, that's um, on the list. So, I, it, my kids are old enough now that we did a <laughs> we did a huge um, Sedona uh, thing last year, and they're like, yep. we're all set on the hiking for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I brought my wife along once, but it's like a four or five day pretty. Oh, so you go in, yeah. Pack in, yeah. backpack everything, you know. Um, so I've done it for probably the past 15 years. I love it. Uh, crazy enough, this year I was supposed to go last weekend, but there's the roads are still closed with snow and the yeah. trails are still closed with snow. Yeah. Uh, hard to imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that part of the country is getting. So I have to push that back till next month. So I'm hoping that, you know, we have a, a warmer summer in that part of California. So. Wow. That, yeah. That's great. Well, I'm jealous, especially of the Europe stuff. Um, yeah. but, uh, well, I'll get back over there soon. But my family, like everybody but me, is going over to Italy next year. Uh, oh. Yeah, well, me and my youngest. But, uh, but uh, you know, one of those uh, pre-college, you know, go over and, cool. you know, yeah, that's great. But, uh, but listen, you're very generous with your time. I'm going to stop the recording in one second. I'll put all your contact info where people can find you in there. And um, really appreciate you coming on and, and giving us CEO's perspective on on this this crazy world of uh, customer experience. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Jeff, for having me. Hold on one second here.